Last year, uh, we went on a family hike. We try to we try to do one of those at least once a year because we're so committed to it. Uh, but last year, we went on a family hike uh, to the Sand Cave. Uh, if you're not familiar with the Sand Cave, you can Google it, but it's just outside of Middlesboro. The Middlesboro campus folks will know exactly uh, what I'm talking about. But just outside of Middlesboro, across the state line in Virginia, if you drive up toward Ewing, Virginia, just, just a few miles, uh, you'll, you'll come to you know a parking lot that's at the foot of the mountain, and, and it marks the beginning of the hike up to the Sand Cave. Now, the Sand Cave is exactly what it sounds like. It, it is a big limestone cave, and you know if you want to know the science behind it, you know there's millions and millions of years of, of erosion has taken place. And, and now, you know, the floor of that cave is, is just sand. I mean, it's like the sandiest beach you've ever been to, except it's underneath this huge cave that's up on basically the top of the mountain. So it's a very unique thing and it's a real sight to see. And if you ever get an opportunity, you should, you should take a day and do it. But the hike, I warn you, uh, it takes about six hours, maybe a little bit longer, uh, you know, depending on how hard you're willing to book it and how hard you're willing to work. So it's not for the faint of heart. Uh, so you got to be committed to it because you don't want to start off and not be able to finish. But, you know, that, that's hiking. We expect hiking to be challenging and we expect, expect it to be involved and difficult somewhat because if it isn't, it's, it's more like a walk or a stroll. And, and hiking is a hike because it's a hike. It's not a walk or a stroll. So we, we, we expect it to be challenging and difficult to a degree. Uh, one of the more challenging parts of, of the hike was the last part. It was when we were climbing up to the very top of the mountain and it was a pretty steep incline and you had to meander through, you know, all of these, you know, limestone rocks, huge, huge rocks. And, and so we're helping each other up, you know, occasionally you'd have to push somebody from the butt up, you know, and, or pull them up, you know, I mean, it was some big steps and, you know, so everybody's trying to make it the best they can. And after hours of hiking and after miles of hiking, uh, you know, you, you make that last little bit and you, you walk through kind of the trees and whatever, and then there's this big opening. And of course, these days, if you don't take a picture, it didn't happen, right? So, so we had to get the Instagram shot. There we were. And, and you're up on top of what, what's known as the White Rocks. And you can see that part from Virginia and it, it's really cool. And, and so there we were, family hike, and, and it's gorgeous. And, and, and the view, uh, I'll give you one without us so you're not sitting there looking at us the whole time. Uh, there, there we are. Th this is the view that we came for. That, that's, what you, that's what you show up for, right? You wanna be able to see what seems like just forever. I mean, you know, the Gray Smoky Mountains over there, this beautiful, beautiful, you know, valley. It's just, it's just gorgeous. And that's what you work for on the hike. Uh, that, that's why you face the challenge. That's why you climb the mountain. That's why you, you, you face the struggle and you struggle through it and you struggle through the fatigue and, and you get a little hot and you rest and you get a little hot and you rest and you stop for a moment, and you catch your breath and then you keep on going. Because you know, you know at the top, you're gonna be afforded a perspective that you do not have at the bottom. When you get out of your car at the bottom of the, mount, of the mountain, you don't see that. You, you don't see this at the bottom of the mountain. When you open up your car door and, and you're getting ready to start the hike and you see the trail, all you can see is the mountain. It's really not even that impressive. And all you can see are the trees and you can see the beginning of a trail. You don't see this at the bottom. You can only see this at the top. So you gotta struggle up. You gotta climb up. You gotta do the hard work. And you gotta get to the top before you get this perspective because if, if you're not willing to work it and you're not willing to climb it and you're not willing to struggle through it, then you'll never have this perspective. 
The only perspective that you'll have is the what you see when you get out of your car door, which is just not much at all to see. You got to climb the mountain to see that. Now, today, we're in week three of our series called The Shallows, and, and we've been talking about how we start in life isn't supposed to be where we get stuck for the rest of our life. Uh, where we start off in life, kind of the shallow end of the pool, that's not where we're supposed to stay. There is an expectation that we grow, that we mature, that we progress, that we develop. Um, you have that expectation for other people. Other people have that expectation for you. It, it's bilateral. Uh, we project it onto other people because we have that expectation you know, innately within us. Uh, we know that life isn't just about growing older. Um, though we all hope to grow older. Life is also, in a much more profound way, life is about growing up. And not everybody, we know this, not everybody who grows older chooses to also grow up. Uh, some people get stuck in the shallows. Some people get stuck in the shallow end of the pool. Some people, as we talked about a couple weeks ago, some people get stuck back in like middle school mentality or high school mentality. Uh, some adults get stuck back with something they picked up in childhood, uh, a perspective they picked up in childhood, uh, a way of thinking that they picked up in childhood, uh, and, and they carry it with them on into adulthood. And, and that's immaturity because that's ultimately what immaturity is. Whenever it's in my life, whenever it's in your life, or wherever we see it, wherever we experience it. Immaturity is just a sign that someone got stuck somewhere along the way. And, and the way that we say it, you know, in, in our modern day, you know, communication would be like, you know, stop acting like a baby. Stop, act, you know, stop acting like a child. You're acting so immature. Uh, immaturity is when you should know better, but for some reason you don't. You just should know better. Uh, we've looked at our kids before as moms and dads, haven't we? And, and we said, you should know better. You should know better, but for whatever reason, you don't, but you should know better. Or immaturity is knowing better, but it doesn't matter. It's of no consequence. You should know better, but you don't, or you do know better and it just doesn't matter. That's immaturity. But maturity, maturity is a choice. And when it comes to the prospect of growing up, when it comes to the prospect of you know, developing and growing as a person, when it comes to the prospect of growing our faith as followers of Jesus, it is a choice we have to make. It is a choice that you have to make as an individual. Nobody can make it for you, and you can't blame anybody else if you choose not to, because that's what we discovered last week. There are no excuses when it comes to staying on the shallow end of the pool. Everybody has been given everything they need according to what we looked at last week. We've got everything that we need to be the people that God has called us to be. And we'll never discover what our potential is until we lose all of the excuses. So whatever excuse, whoever you're blaming, whatever it is, you, you gotta leave that behind because you'll never discover who God wants you to be. You'll never realize who God wants you to be. You'll never leave the shallows and get to the deeper end of the pool if you just keep making excuses and, and, and stay stuck somewhere along the way. And so that was last week. But today, today I want to talk about the path uh, to which we get, you know, to the place of maturity. Uh, and, and there's something that we all have to pass through on the path to maturity. Uh, because once we decide, hey, I, I don't want to be stuck. I, I don't want to be an immature adult. I don't want to be a grown man who in many ways acts like a spoiled little baby. I, I don't want to be a grown man who acts like a high schooler or a middle schooler or an elementary kid. You know, I, I don't want to be that. I don't want to be a grown woman who, who has tendencies to act like I'm still stuck back in my sophomore year of high school or, or whatever it may be. I don't want to be that person. I want to choose maturity. I want to choose better. I, I want to choose to develop as a person. I want to choose to grow. Well, once we get on that path, there, there's something inevitably that we're all going to have to pass through on the way 
to maturity. And, and it's, a path, it's a path that takes us through something that we'd rather be able to avoid. Uh, we, we would like to bypass it. Uh, we would like to take a shortcut around it. Uh, we would like to dig under it or to be able to fly over it, but we just can't. It, it's, it's inescapable. And we all have to go through this in order to become mature. And it's adversity. It's adversity. Let's all just say that out loud together at all of our churches. Ready? Let's go. Adversity. It's one of the most unfortunate realities uh, of life, uh, being that progress requires a struggle. If you're, gonna, if you're gonna have progress, if you're gonna grow, if you're gonna develop, if you're gonna get to a place of maturity, there is a struggle involved in that. And if you wanna take the struggle out of it, you're not gonna get to that place of maturity. You're not gonna develop, your faith is not gonna grow. Progress is attached to struggle. In order to grow courage, you have to struggle against fear, right? Uh, in order to grow confidence, you have to struggle you know, against insecurity and you gotta be willing to put yourself out there. In order to grow stronger, you have to struggle through, through weakness. In order to grow endurance, you have to struggle against the temptation where you want to quit. Uh, growth is a struggle. Uh, you, you can't separate growing from struggling. Uh, to grow in relationships, guess what you have to do? You have to struggle through the difficult times and the difficult seasons of relationships. You know what immature people do? In the difficult seasons of relationship, they cut and run, they're out. They, they don't wanna deal with that because adversity, adversity, it must be a sign that this is not right. This must be a sign that we're doing something wrong. But you'll never get to the place of maturity if you're not willing to pass through adversity. It's just the way it is because growth is connected to struggle. The climb, the hike, to get up there to maturity, to get up there to where you wanna be and where I wanna be and where God wants us to be. It's difficult, it's challenging, it's time consuming, but when you get to the top, when you get to the top, it's gonna to offer you a perspective. It's gonna offer me a perspective that I cannot have at the bottom of the mountain. It's gonna offer me a perspective that I cannot have when I first start out. But if I'm willing to put the time in, if I'm willing to travel through adverse conditions, if I'm willing to struggle through it and to climb and to do the work, there is a perspective in maturity that allows me to see what immature people cannot see. Because immaturity, it narrows our perspective. Immature people can't see as much as mature people can see. Immaturity chooses to be only able to see just a little bit in front and just about that wide. But maturity is a perspective that allows you to see wider and deeper and further. And the more clarifying your perspective is, the more you can understand about what's going on in your life and more that you can understand and process what's happening in the world around you. It gives you wisdom to how to respond to whatever season that you might be in. Maturity is a perspective that's gonna help us get better at life. And, and at the end of the day, Jesus said, I've come that you may have life, not only eternally, but abundantly. And if you wanna have abundant life, that requires wisdom. And wisdom's gonna require some maturity because maturity allows us to see what immature people can't see. And that's the reason mature people respond to things differently because they see it differently because of their perspective. Suffering, adversity, pain, struggle, trouble, trials, tribulation, whatever you wanna call it, they provide an opportunity. They provide an opportunity to learn, to grow, to progress, to develop. We don't wanna think of adversity as an opportunity, but adversity is an opportunity. We wanna avoid it, but why avoid the opportunity to grow? Why avoid the opportunity to mature? 
Why, why avoid the opportunity to develop or get stronger or get better? Because you can't be any of those things. I can't be any of those things without the willingness to go through adversity. And adversity will give me the maturity that I need to have a clarifying perspective that helps me better deal with when life does throw adversity my way, when pain knocks at my door, when trials and tribulation is part of the season that I'm in. It helps me be able to see what I'm going through and understand it better. Whereas immature, shallow end of the pool, that's a way of thinking. That's a way of approaching the world. That's a way of processing what's happening around me. And in the shallow end, I'm gonna miss something. In the shallow end, I'm gonna miss some important things about the season that I may, I may be in right now. Now, James, the half-brother of Jesus, he, he wrote about this very idea to a group of Christians just like us in the first century. And, and here's what he said. He said, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind, this is important, every word matters. When troubles of any kind come your way, because they will come your way. It doesn't matter what kind of trouble it is, James says. It doesn't matter what kind of struggle, it doesn't matter what kind of trouble, it doesn't matter what kind of pain it is. Troubles of all kind, they are an opportunity for maturity. They're an opportunity for growth. They're an opportunity for you to develop greater faith and deeper faith. That's what he's saying. Trouble of all kind. This is trouble that I didn't ask for. This is pain that I didn't invite in. This is trouble that I would have never wanted for myself. He's talking about everything from the uncomfortable to the unbearable. He says, trouble of any kind. Whenever you face trouble of any kind, whether it's physical, maybe something chronic, maybe something worse than chronic, maybe something terminal, it may be something emotional or mental, some type of pain, psychological pain, it may be relational, you know, trouble, relational pain or financial trouble. He says, whatever kind of trouble it is, see that adversity as an opportunity to grow. Don't try to run away from it. Don't try to fight it. Don't resist it. But allow yourself to experience the adversity because the adversity is an opportunity for you to grow. And we don't like it. It's not sexy. It's not fun. People don't clap and run around the church and sing and praise God. You know, when you say, hey, you're going to have trouble, but be of good cheer. It's an opportunity. It's an opportunity to grow. We don't like that because we're human. But he says, no matter what the trouble is, whether you didn't invite it or whether you brought it upon yourself, it doesn't matter. They're inevitable, they're inescapable, and every single one of them, they're an opportunity. He says it's life. Adversity is just part of life. Trials is just part of life. That's the nature of life. It's what happens when you live in a world that's wrecked by sin. There's troubles of all kinds. There's trials of all kinds. There's all kinds of dark valleys. There's all kinds of dark seasons. There's all kinds of pains. There's all kinds of betrayal. There's all kinds of disappointment. That's the world that we live in. That's life. So here's what James is saying before we look at what else he says. He says, when life happens, because that's what happens when you live life. When life happens, don't be surprised by it because it's life. We seemingly only get surprised when life happens to us. When we read about life happening to somebody else or we see life happening to somebody else, we're like, oh, that's so unfortunate. But it's not a crisis for us. But when life happens to us, it's just an all out crisis. And we forget this is life. 
This is the way life is. This is the way life works. And you say, you're not really encouraging me today, Trevor. That's okay. We'll get there. But when trials come, when pain comes, when disappointment comes, when all of that comes, just remind yourself, this is life. This is James' way of reminding us what we've heard all our, our entire life. Life is hard. Life is hard. Now, don't sit there and look at me like it's not, you big liar. Life is hard. Sometimes life is brutal. Sometimes life can sucker punch you when you least expect it. It's been my experience that life, I've noticed, never makes a reservation before it tries to kick my teeth out. Have you noticed that? Life, life doesn't, hey, can we get together on Tuesday and I'm just gonna wreck your world? Hey, Thursday morning at 10, I want you to clear your calendar because all hell's about to break loose. It, it doesn't work that way. I'm gonna say something now and I'll say it again later, but it's worth, it's worth saying and hearing now because I, I want you to know this. Life is hard. If you believe that and know that, say amen. amen. Okay, life is hard, God is good. Life is hard, God is good. Don't confuse the two. Life is brutal. God is good, don't confuse the two. Life is hard, God is good, don't confuse the two. Life is full of challenging circumstances. Life's far from being easy. It's hard if you live it, it's just hard. Now, let me tell you what immature people who love to swim in the shallow end of the pool, you know, let me tell you what they love to do. They love to run away from that. They, they don't like to talk about that. And, and maybe that's you right now. Like, what are we talking about this? I don't even wanna think about this. Pay attention to that. Because that's what immature people do. It's like, I don't wanna face the reality of life. I don't wanna talk about that. I would rather numb it. I would rather flee from it. I'd rather fight it. I'd rather live in my own little fantasy world, pretend. I'd just rather pretend that life is something that it's not. Mature people know, good, bad, and ugly, life is hard. It's brutal. It's difficult. It's painful. It knocks you down. And it doesn't care how hard it hurts when you fall. Now, the idea that life is hard, I, I read this years ago and I agree with it. And every time I hear the phrase, life is hard, I think about it, but I can't remember the author's name. I think his name was Sidney, but I, I wouldn't swear to that. But there was an author who said, every time I hear the phrase, life is hard, I think to myself, compared against what? And that's, that's worthy of thinking about for a moment. That, that, that's worthy of, of, of some thought. Life is hard, but compared against what? What are we comparing it against? Our ideas about how life is supposed to be or how life should be, our wishes, our, our desires. Life is hard compared against what? Our misplaced expectations. Maybe, maybe it's lingering echoes of Eden where we believe and know that the world wasn't supposed to be like this and, and life is not supposed to be like this, but sin has interjected itself and just messed everything up, but God's got a plan to redeem everything and restore all things to the right order the way they originally were intended. But until then, there's something inside of us that knows life's not supposed to be like this. So maybe it's misplaced expectations. Maybe it's lies and fiction that we've read or watched you know, on television or media that we just think that life is not supposed to be this hard and life is not supposed to be difficult and life's not supposed to be painful and it's not supposed to be brutal. In life, listen, aren't you so glad you came today? I can just see it on your face. In life, there are no promises of easy beginnings and happy endings. I know a lot of adults who are peed off that's a Greek phrase. They're, they're, they're ticked off 
because of how they were born into this world, the family they were born into, the conditions of that family. Somebody else, they were born, you know, in a much better situation. But you know what? That's life. Some people start with a head start. Some of us don't. That's life. Life is hard. God is good. Don't confuse the two. There's a lot of men, a lot of women walking around bitter, angry, cynical because of how they entered the world. They, they forget that life is just hard. You didn't have any control over it. I don't have any control over it. Neither did anybody else have any control over it. There's no easy beginnings. There's no promises of happy endings. There's no promises that I can find about easy sailings and limited interruptions. That, that's, not, that's not real life. Matter of fact, Jesus, our Savior, Jesus, the one who died for our sins and was buried and raised from the dead, Jesus, Jesus said this, and this is why I think Jesus was so attractive to so many people because he was just so daggone honest, even if it was uncomfortably honest. He said, in this world, you will have tribulation. In this world, you will have trouble. It's gonna happen. Jesus never sold a false bill of goods to say, hey, if you follow me, it's, it's gonna be A-okay. No storm clouds for you. No difficult times for you. If you follow me, all's gonna be well with you. Jesus didn't say that. Jesus never promised that. Jesus said, in this world, you're gonna have a lot of trouble, but be a good cheer. I've overcome the world. So you're gonna have joy even in the midst of a life that's full of trouble. Jesus is saying, life doesn't have to get the best of you. It doesn't. Why would you let life take you to the mat and destroy you or kill you or rob you of the life that Jesus died for you to have? Why would you let life get the best of you? It's life, it happens. And as much as we try, we can't control it. So don't play the slave to your circumstances, James would say. You can overcome your circumstances. And you partially overcome your circumstances by your perspective of what you see and what you understand about your circumstances. Job, Job, you've heard of Job. Job, he said that life is few days and full of trouble. How many's heard that before, right? I grew up and, and that was like one of the go-to, you know, passages that I would hear preachers and the church that I grew up in. I would hear people quote that all the time. And I'm like, I would get mad as a kid. I'd be back there sitting in the back of the room trying not to listen, you know, like some of you, trying not to listen. Like, I'm not gonna listen today. And I would just always hear them. They'd say, I'll tell you, it's like the Bible says, life's a few days and full of trouble. And everybody, amen. And, and I'd be like, oh my God, this is the saddest sack of people I've ever been around in my entire life. Can we just say something a bit more positive? And then I grew up. You know what I realized? I'll be dead gum. Life is a few days and full of trouble. <laughs> it is. It's true. It's not being negative. It's not being pessimistic. It's not being a downer. It's just acknowledging what is true. It's a few days and full of trouble. It is. But in the midst of the trouble, there's something good that only a mature perspective can see. In the midst of the bad and the difficult and the painful, there is the opportunity to grow, to mature, to learn something that you need to know that you don't know currently, to see something that you can't see currently. There's an opportunity in there. And that opportunity is only gonna be visible when you decide to look at it through eyes of maturity. So this is why James says, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it. Consider it an opportunity for great joy. Predecide how you're gonna see life. 
pre-decide how you're going to approach seasons of trouble or times of trouble, times of pain. Whenever you feel pain, James says, whenever you feel discomfort, whenever, whenever you feel you're in the midst of a trial or some type of tribulation or some type of discomfort or some type of valley, he says, whenever you feel that, tell yourself, this is an opportunity to grow. This is an opportunity to get better. This is an opportunity to learn something. This is an opportunity. This is an opportunity. I'm gonna be stronger because of it may even be better because of it. And James says, this is a way of thinking. You gotta understand that God can use it. God can use the difficulty. God can use the trouble to do something good in your life, in your life and also in the lives of other people. When you realize that life isn't random, that God ultimately is in control and as Christians, we believe that everything either comes from God's hand or comes through God's hand. And you're okay with that when you trust God's heart. You only get uncomfortable with the idea that everything comes from God's hand or through God's hand when you don't exactly trust that God's heart is good. But if you believe that God's heart is good, then, then, then it really is reassuring that everything that I face, everything that I go through, it either originated out of God's hand or God allowed it to happen in my life. That's not troublesome, that, that's, that's not perplexing. That's reassuring because if what I believe about his heart is true, then it's okay. God doesn't shield us from life, but he redeems our life. He redeems the trials, he redeems the trouble, he redeems the pain. God wastes no suffering. He doesn't. God doesn't waste any suffering. God will take the suffering in my life and your life and he will use it to grow us if we consider it an opportunity. If we consider it an opportunity, we can face difficult circumstances with joy if we believe that God's in control and if we believe that God is good and if we believe that God's gonna redeem all of this. It's what Paul was talking about in Romans 8, 28 when he said that all things work together for the what? Uh, and you're not talking to me, for the what? For the good. All things work for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So James, here's, here's what James is saying and I know we're, we're taking our time through this, but, but hey, what else are we gonna do? James says, don't just look to your pain. That's what a lot of people do. They point to their pain, they look at their pain, they fixate on their pain. James says, okay, let me give you a perspective where you're beginning to see through your pain. Just don't look to your trouble. Look through your trouble. Look to the other side of your trouble and over on the other side of it, there's something that's good. This is what, this is what the writer of Hebrews was saying you know, when it talked about Jesus, that on the other side of what Jesus did for us, there was, there was joy. James says, when you look through your pain, it's not that you have joy about your pain, of course not. You don't have joy about what's happening. You don't have joy about the diagnosis. You don't have joy about the situation or the circumstance. You, you're, you're not happy about it. You still feel the pain. You still feel the grief. You still feel the weight of the disappointment. You still feel all of that. But underneath that, there is a foundation of confident joy that all of that pain can sit upon. And as all of that disappointment and pain and betrayal and bit, all of that stuff, as it rests upon confident joy, you're able to live under the weight of it because you see through it to the other side that you know God is doing something. 
that you are confident that on the other side, there's something good, there's a purpose in this, this won't be wasted. So you still grieve, you still hurt, but it rests upon a foundation of confident joy. Confident that God can take the bad and turn it for good. This is what James is talking about. So this is about a way of thinking. This is about perspective. This is about getting to a place where you can see further and broader and deeper than you can when you're in the shallow end of the pool. Immaturity. Immaturity experiences life in an entirely different way. Immature people, people who've gotten stuck somewhere along the way, immaturity says, look at my life. This sucks, this is terrible. I, God, God, if God exists, God hates me. Why me? Why now? Why this? That's kind of an immature way of approaching life because life happens and it doesn't matter who you are and it doesn't matter how much you have in your bank account, it doesn't matter how poor you are, it doesn't matter how rich you are, it doesn't matter how educated you are, it doesn't matter how sophisticated or not or connected or not. Don't believe the illusions that our world fills us with. Don't believe everything that you see on the social media feed. Don't believe everything that you read. Don't believe everything that you see because it's so much fiction, it's so much lies. Everywhere there's pain. Everywhere there's hurt, there's a trial, there's trouble. It just is. But immature folks, it's like, why me? Why now? Why this? Mature people, they experience life. And you know what they say? Life happens. Life happens. Why not me? Why not me? Why not now? Why not this? Because life happens and it's not comfortable and it doesn't give us the feel goods, but it's the truth. And a lot of us would have been a lot better off if somebody would have sat us down as children and taught us. It doesn't matter what you believe, life is hard. It doesn't matter how moral you are, life is hard. It doesn't matter how hard you work, life is hard. We've been better off. Be a lot fewer bitter people in the world, I, I believe. Mature people refuse to become bitter. Circumstances can make you bitter. You just get so angry, you become bitter. And, and as the writer of Hebrews says, it becomes a root of bitterness and it digs itself deep in there and it's down intertwined in the heart and the soul and the mind. Your perspective is laced with bitterness. There's resentfulness. And now your whole entire world filters through that bitter filter, that resentful filter. You resent your childhood. You resent what happened 20 years ago. You resent what your mom was or what your dad wasn't. You resent her, you resent him. You resent that group of people or that class of folks. It's just, you go bitter, you grow resentful and it's what life does to some people. But maturity refuses to become bitter or resentful or cynical in the face of life because mature people know life happens. Life is hard, but God is good and Mature people don't confuse the two. Mature people know this, and this is important, and I would jot this down, but you already know it. Here, here's what mature people are not afraid to admit. Life is painful. Life isn't fair. And at times, God disappoints us. Life's painful. It is. Let me tell you, here's a secret. 
Here's what a lot of us wouldn't admit this morning. There's pain in every seat. There is. I don't care how tough you are, how macho you are. I, I, I don't care how much you seem to have it together. Doesn't matter. There's pain on every, on every seat. There, there, there's trouble. There's, it's there. It's life. And the only way that that may not be true is if you're living in a dream world. If you've numbed the pain, if you just live in denial. But life is painful. And you know what? Life isn't fair. Bad things happen to good people. Let's just get over it. Enough already. We've got thousands of years of human history. We know that good things happen to bad people. We know that bad things happen to good people. Can we stop being surprised by it? Can we stop acting like, oh my goodness, who could live in such a world? We've been living in this kind of world from the very beginning. Good things happen to bad people and bad things happen to good people. It's called life. It just is. Sometimes innocent people go to prison. Sometimes guilty people get set free. And I agree with Philip Yancey when he says that the older I get, the more I realize that there is no real correlation between the wrong I commit and the pain I experience. A lot of Christians want to believe in some kind of Christianized, baptized karma. You just do it. It's going to come back to you. If you do good, it's just going to come back to you. Sometimes you do good and all you do is get kicked in the face. Now, sure, you could have gone to church somewhere else today and felt a lot better. <laughs> but you would have missed so much. Some of us need to remind our children of this. We need to remind ourselves of this. Sometimes you can do all the exercises, you can go to the doctor every six months, you can have all the scopes, all the probes, all the things. You can eat right, you can live in a caloric deficit, you can live like the folks in Japan or Southeast Asia or the Italians and the Mediterraneans, you can do it all just right and drop dead at 55. Or sometimes you can Big Mac your way into your 80s. That's life. It's just the way it is. <laughs> if I knew I could Big Mac my way into my 80s, I would. But I, I, I know that wisdom would say otherwise. But we've all seen it work out that way. Again, listen to his words. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider an opportunity for great joy. Why? Because you know life is painful. You know life isn't fair. And you know at times God disappoints you. Sometimes God doesn't answer your prayers the way you want him to. Sometimes God doesn't do what you want him to do. Sometimes God doesn't do it the way that you think he should do. And sometimes if you were God, you would do it entirely different, but you're not God. And so you get disappointed with God. Let's just admit it. God disappoints our expectations at times. God disappoints the way we would do it if we were God sometimes. And the quicker that we can be honest about that and put it out there, there's maturity in that. At times, God disappoints me, but you know what? He's God and I'm not. <laughs> and life is life. He says, it's an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. You don't choose what you get to face in life, but you do get to choose how you face what you face in life. Every trial, every difficulty, every problem, all the pain, there's a choice in it. There's a choice in it. There's a choice in it. And I get to choose my attitude about my test. 
I get to choose the attitude that I walk through the trial with. I get to choose how I face what I face. Because sometimes a testing is exactly what life is. It tests our faith. Have you ever had life try your faith? You ever been there? Of course you have. When you feel like you're facing or going through something that you didn't want and you didn't deserve, you ever been there? You're going through it and you're like, I didn't ask for this and I don't deserve this. You know what you call that? That's, that's a testing of faith. That's gonna test your faith. When, when you're tempted to think, hey, well, you know, I'm not sure, but if God does exist, I don't even know if I like what kind of God that means he is, if he's just gonna let this happen. Why does this happen to me? When those thoughts start creeping in, it's a test of faith. It's a test of faith. When you realize that faith is not magic, you can't sprinkle it on your problems and they go away. When you realize that faith is not a genie in a bottle where you rub it and God is forced to answer your prayers because of your faith, when you realize that's not how it works, it's a testing of faith. Faith is an insulation. It's not protection against life. Life is hard. But in the midst of your testing of faith, you choose to believe that life is hard, but God is good. God's in control. God has a plan. This isn't random. So when life attacks your faith, this is what James is wanting us to consider. How will I respond? When life attacks my faith, how will I respond? Will I have true faith? You say, what do you mean by true faith? Faith isn't about receiving the things from God we wanted as much as it is learning to receive from God the things we didn't want. That's faith. The question isn't, do I have the faith to be healed? You know, you can make money on that kind of, on that kind of message. You, you can be very popular in television and print with that type of idea that, hey, if you just have enough faith, you can be healed. The question isn't, do I have enough faith to be healed? The question is, do I have enough faith not to be healed? That's the part we don't wanna talk about. It isn't, do I have enough faith to escape my circumstance? It's, do I have enough faith to endure my circumstance? We, we don't wanna talk about that kind of faith. Can I endure it without becoming bitter or resentful? Can I endure it without losing my faith or walking away? Can, can I keep on going even though it'd be easier to quit? This is Jesus when it says, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and he sat down at the right hand of God in heaven. He was able to look to the cross, but he was able to look through the cross, and he believed that on the other side of the cross, God the Father was gonna bring something good and beautiful from the ugliness and the brutality and the pain of the cross itself. He was able to see through it. The same Jesus who said, hey, let this cut pass from me. But if that's not possible, nevertheless, your will be done. And you can say that when you believe that the heart of your father is good. When you can say, nevertheless, your plan, your will be done, there's, there's a joy in that, there's a peace in that. What you believe and what I believe about trouble and what we believe about pain and our theology of trials and tribulation, it is of great consequence. It matters a great deal that we believe confidently that life is hard, but God is good. His heart is good. His purposes are good. His plan, they're all good. That's what we cling to in the midst of the adversity. That's what life is trying to squash out in the midst of adversity. Faith is believing 
God can change my circumstance. And faith is trusting God even when he doesn't. That, that's biblical faith. And what James is talking about when he says, consider it great joy, this is a mindset. This is an act of faith. Endurance is simply the strength not to quit. It's the resolve to keep on going. It's the determination to bear under the weight, to stay in and not walk away. That's what endurance is, that I'm committed to this. I've committed to this course, I'm going the distance. It's rising above without dropping out. It's rising above without giving in or falling short. It's continuing to believe that God, he loves me, he has a plan for me, and I can trust my life into his hands. So James continues and he says, so in light of this, let it grow. Let your endurance grow, let your faith grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, or the idea is mature. You will be mature, needing nothing. So it's not perfection, it's maturity. When life happens, if you let it, life will give you the opportunity in the midst of adversity to gain a greater perspective, to be better, to be stronger, to have a deeper faith. Trials and tribulation, as are so often referred to, you know, those, those duos, there's a refining power in them. that They shake off all the unessentials in our life. They help sharpen our focus. They help us to see things that we otherwise can't. We begin to appreciate the things that we neglected or we take time to enjoy the things that we would have otherwise sped past. We see different, we hear different, we process different. And James says, if you're in the midst of hell, if you're in the midst of difficulty and you just, you're just struggling to have this perspective, he says, I get it, I understand. Let me tell you what to do. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. When you just can't see it that way, Ask God for the wisdom to see it that way. That's what wisdom is. It's seeing things from God's perspective. It's seeing things in, informed by your faith. He says, if you're going through hell, he says, take a moment. And, and if you can't see through it, ask God for the wisdom to be able to see through it. Ask God for the wisdom that allows you to see things informed by your faith. Ask God for wisdom. He's not gonna be upset with you asking for wisdom. Say, God, I can't see it. I don't like it. I can't see it. I'm, I'm, I need wisdom, Father, to help me see through this. He said, and he'll give it to you. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver for a person who has divided loyalties. They're as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. He says, without wisdom and without this perspective, without this type of maturity, you're, you're, you're gonna be like a ship tossed out on the waves. You're gonna be at the mercy of your circumstances. Lacking wisdom, lacking maturity, you're unsettled. You have no anchor. Wisdom and maturity, it anchors you. It gives you resolve. It helps you to endure the storm because you're just not looking to the trial. You're looking through it. We see this play out and, and I'll give this to you quickly as this is where it ends. We see this over and over again, this perspective, this, this way of thinking. We see it in the apostle Paul. Paul said, hey, we're hard pressed on every side. Listen to these words, we're hard pressed, but not crushed. We're not slaves to our circumstances. We're perplexed, but we're not in despair. We're persecuted, but not abandoned. 
We're struck down, but we're not destroyed. We get knocked down, we get up again. We get knocked down again, we get up again. Life kicks us in the teeth. We take a towel and we wipe the blood off and we keep on going. Why, Paul? It's a perspective for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. He says this grief that we're going through in no way compares to the glory that we're headed to. This cross is not not to be compared to the crown. This pain is not to be compared to the purpose. He says, so we're able to endure it because of our perspective we see through it. So we fix our eyes, not on things which are seen, but on things which are unseen. Because what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Paul says, I I didn't quit when life happened. I, I didn't get bitter at God when life happened. You know, talk about a guy who did some things right. I think Paul did some things right, but he said, you know what? I didn't give up. I didn't get bitter. I didn't get resentful. I stayed in. I ran my race. I fought my fight. And if you look at Paul's life, some of his best work happened when he was bruised and hurting. Peter, Peter said the same thing. He said, in all of this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, you may have to endure suffering. You may have to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come, so that purposeful statement, that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. And Peter knew about self-inflicted pain. He says, it's like being stuck in the fire and all the dross and all the stuff gets burned away and what's left is this incredible display of faith and confidence in God. Or maybe it's Job, you know, we, we see people go through things and we're like, how did they do that? How are they going through that? How are they not losing their mind? How, how, how are they just functioning? We, we see that in people and we're drawn to it. James, he ends his letter by saying, we give great honor to those who endure under suffering. For instance, you know about Job, a man of great endurance, lost it all, his wealth, his health, his family, his reputation. But yet, it was Job who said, the Lord gives, he takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. It was Job who said, he knows the way that I take. And when I shall come forth, because I will come forth, when I shall come forth, I will come forth as gold that's been tried in the fire. So where do we go from here? Here's here's how I read the New Testament. Here's how I think that we face life. This is how we face the moment and the season that we're, we're in, whatever it is. We trust in God's power. We believe that God can. So we pray big prayers. We pray like Paul, God, take it away because we believe that he can. We trust in God's power, believing that God can. We trust in God's plan, knowing that he may not. But I can trust his heart. I can trust his purpose. I can trust his plan. And I trust in God's grace. And I can know that either way, I'm gonna be okay. Whether he does or he doesn't, either way, I'm gonna be okay. I'm gonna walk with a faith, a faith that understands that faith may not change my circumstance, but it will change the way I face my circumstance. It's facing life saying, you know what? I'm hard pressed. I'm hard pressed on every side, but I'm not gonna be crushed. 
I'm perplexed, but I'll tell you, I will not be driven to despair. I will not be driven to despair. I may be persecuted, but I will not, will not feel as though I have been abandoned. I'm not gonna let that be my story. I'm gonna believe that God hears my prayers and sees my tears and he's touched with my pain. I'm gonna keep on believing that life may be hard and painful, but God continues to be good. That's gonna be my perspective. I'm gonna believe that God can take it and use it for good. I'm gonna believe that he can. I'm gonna trust him if he chooses not to. And I'm gonna walk every day believing that no matter what, either way, I'm gonna be okay because this moment, whatever it is, is an opportunity for me to get to a place where everything is clear and that I can see through it. And on the other side, there's purpose, there's goodness, and there's a glory that far outweighs all that I'm trying to endure through right now. Heavenly Father, in just a moment at all of our campuses, we're gonna give an opportunity for people who may be in the midst of what feels like hell, what may be a season of great difficulty or great pain, disappointment, disillusionment, we're gonna give folks an opportunity to be prayed for and to be prayed with. And I pray that if people are hurting and struggling this morning, I pray that they'll just take that step to be encouraged by the prayers of another so that we can bear one another's burdens. Father, for those of us in difficult seasons, help us to see through it and know that you're doing something with it and it's gonna be good and it's gonna be for your glory. So Father, as we get ready to sing this song, would you comfort those who are hurting? Would you give us the wisdom to see through it and give us the confident joy that the pain and the disappointment can rest upon as we endure through it? In Jesus' name.